Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Frederick and Timu from Telia about their award-winning pivot from a learning orientation to a performance orientation, and the impact of this for their organization and for themselves. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us, and thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Frederick and Timu, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, David. It's, it's a pleasure. Uh, well, firstly, um, congratulations on the awards you've received in recent months. I briefly mentioned these in the introduction, but perhaps you could give us some more detail on these, please. Yeah, so Learning Team of the Year is a category in the Swedish Learning Awards, which, which is hosted annually by the Swedish Learning Association. Uh, and the jury weights in how the team is built, how mm-hmm. aligned our work is with the business strategy, uh, our ways of working, methodologies we use, how we measure impact of our initiatives, and of course, the impact that we can show. So it's probably the greatest recognition a learning organization can achieve in Sweden. And we are, of course, very honored and, and proud of this recognition. And for Reinventor of the Year, um, it's, a, it's a category in the Telia Sweden's big annual kickoff. And given our purpose being reinvent better connected living, this category is probably one of the greatest recognition you can get as a Telia employee. And uh, the de- definition of reinventing being like changing something so much that it appears to be entirely new, these both recognitions are connected to each other because that's what we have done. We have fundamentally started to change how we do learning at Telia. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate, congratulations, because not only is that great external validation, in, internal as well. And I think, that, you know, I know how difficult that is, because sometimes it could be uh, it could be one thing to be recognized by your peers elsewhere who uh, who don't know how you're perceived and the impact that you have internally. But to be to be recognized both internally, externally, I think, uh, obviously speaks of uh, uh, of incredible work and impact. But for the benefits of the uh, uh, for the, the listener, uh, could you let us know what you did to be recognized in these ways? Perhaps if we could start with um, your submission to uh, Learning Team of the Year. Uh, of, of course, uh, I said that the formulation for for the Learning Team of the Year was uh, through transforming from a traditional training department to a well structured team with cross-functional collaboration, a breadth of methodologies, and an agile work process that connects the business learnings and the change process to business operations, and thereby contributes to documented business benefits. And for Temo, and and Temo's submissions for his awards was basically to do exactly that within the organization that he supports. So... Yeah, that's a short answer, I can't leave off the hook. The listener won't let me. Uh, so perhaps we could uh, take a step back and just explore the situation in your L&D team at, uh, at Telia uh, before you began your transformation. Yes. Um, so about three and a half years ago, our team was born. It basically was a was a merge between a team of trainers and coaches and a team of e-learning producers. And we were traditional in terms of being event focused. Everything was either like a two-day classroom training or a standalone e-learning. 
you know, we were very proud of our like three day leadership camp that covered all of the usual topics. And we ran it every year with a five star re- rating. And yeah, we, we did like, those happy sheets and everyone was so happy and, and proud. Um, and yeah, we were like all about coming up with ideas on what would be fun and engaging. Mm-hmm. And we could easily work on PowerPoint decks for months. And yeah, when we felt that like it, this was perfect, we would put all of our efforts in marketing the training and trying to fill our classrooms with people. Um, and I guess like the craziest part of it isn't that we were so off. It's mm. that everyone loved it, both our learners and our stakeholders. So I said, no one forced us to, or, or, or asked us to change anything. So I guess back then we were total of 14 people doing things that everyone loved. And I guess that kind of sums it all up. Mm. And, and that's, so it's not it's it's not an easy thing to do to to want to pivot when uh, as far as popularity is concerned you're 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 doing what's expected but there is I don't know there's there's, there's like a, an internal compass and you're not the first people I've spoken to about this I've had uh, Adam Harwood on the uh, on the podcast previously and I remember speaking with him many years ago he said I was standing up in front of a room. And everyone's enjoying themselves. Like, I knew this was going to be well rated, but I'm thinking internally, this isn't going to make any difference. And he <laughs> knew it. And we were having then conversations about, well, what, how do you know it's not making a difference? And what do you do instead? So what, what was, for many in learning and development, as, as we rise up through the ranks, we, we gauge ourselves by the response we get, whether it be, the five-star ratings, whether it be, and I'm sure we've all been there, at the end of a class, somebody stays behind to tell you how this is going to change their life. You know, so we have validation in a room that we must be doing something right. So, so you've got to tell us, how, what, what was your inner compass telling you that, that wasn't, that, that, that was off? So I think that the, the tipping point uh, was basically it was basically the summer of 2019 because mm. uh, we, we were new as a team and I was a couple months into to my new role at Telia as a strategic learning business partner because the the role names were were right also back then um, so, and my only experience within L&D before that was basically being a, a, a trainer for, for a couple of years. So mm. I, I remember that that summer holiday, um, I, I searched for um, some resources or inspiration to build build this new learning strategy for, for my stakeholders. Uh, or probably I was also <laughs> searching for, for new topics to include into my fancy new leadership uh, uh, program. But but. Uh, yeah. E- either way, um, I found the, your your podcast uh, and and uh, just you know listening to the the, the conversations with your early guests, uh, yeah. you know, fundamentally it, it changed something in me. It just like clicked. Like uh, this is exactly what we are supposed to do because we felt both me and Frederick felt pretty early on that that. The conversations we had with with, uh, with our stakeholders, they, they were wrong because we mm. we were doing, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff, a mm. lot of stuff, but but uh, we didn't do anything that that somehow really mattered for anyone. We, we were 
we were lost. Me and Frederick and, and many in our team were, were lost. And, and you, you gave us guidance here, David. So, so uh, you, you know, I just, you know, you have this episode with, with um, Nigel Payne, one of the first ones. Uh, yeah. And I remember that that just, uh, you know, uh, changed the way we look at our role uh, in the business. And, yeah. and then you have Nick Shackleton-Jones, uh, who, who, you know, turned our way of looking at our process uh, and how we do stuff uh, pretty much upside down. And, and then I remember uh, we, we, we talked earlier about Tracy Waters. Uh, who, who, you, she just slaughtered <laughs> our ways of working. And, and then um, I remember Bob Mosher, uh, mm. you know, gave us a whole new perspective uh, on, on when we need to be there for our learners. Um, you know, when do they need us uh, yeah. and not the other way around uh, somehow. So, so that, that summer, um, I remember me, me starting to think about like, uh, why does L&D even exist? Uh, mm. So what kind of you know, strategic, strategic business partner uh, am I? And what, what do I actually bring to the table here? Is it only supposed to be these kind of courses and, and, and trainings? And, and what are we actually impacting here? If it's not, you know, if it's not performance on 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 KPIs that matters to to the business, then then, you know, who cares? And and why even bother in, in a way? So so what, why shouldn't our team be the first ones to to get you know laid off during mm. during cost cuts? Um, because because we 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 were working on on this kind of top priority transformation project. We we were working on this. Uh, fun and um, nice to have stuff and, mm. and even even though we were liked uh, we, we had we had nothing uh, of real value to show anyone so so, so yeah yeah I felt like we, we were not important and, and it, it felt like no one absolutely no one is expecting anything from us and, mm. and coming from sales because all of us come from has a sales background we, we have a we have a hard time working in, in those uh, um, uh, conditions. So, so this podcast was the eye opener for for me, and and I, I felt like home listening mm. to your to your voice, David. So I introduced Frederick to this podcast, and, and uh, <laughs> th then we started to you know listen uh, episode after episode, uh, mm. and, and and you know talking for hours after each episode. Like uh, we, we felt like we have to do something. We have to do this, and and mm. that's basically where it started with this podcast wonderful well i mean that's that that's wonderful to to hear um and and what i take from uh, from those conversations that that you've you've listed there with uh, with tracy with bob with nigel and nick um each of those has been a senior lnd leader in companies and they know how it works i think that there's often a disconnect between those who uh, have served the apprenticeship in the classroom but haven't been ultimately accountable for learning and development because you think the role is about engaging people in learning and then from the outside that's what the job looks like as well but when you are in an organization and your role is to actually develop people and it's about the outcomes not about the activities and the content then you realize that it isn't about fun and the conversations about learning needing to be fun are an enormous distraction uh, and those people um, uh, lay it on the line and said that when you get past 
the learning is an event towards learning uh, or learning and development's role is is critical uh, to to the advancement of an organization, its people, uh, and the outcomes of of that the required of that organization. Then you realize that it is that we are doing something fundamentally different and wrong if we are simply looking to see how happy or satisfied people are or whether they would recommend it to somebody. The only measures of success, and those people will say uh, all of this, is that you successfully achieve what you set out to do before you even committed to the solution. Uh, and a lot of the time, and that's why I say it's important with when you're talking to those senior stakeholders, because it's very rare that they are dead set on attendance being okay, that you know, you know, I mean, salespeople are looking at you and having a conversation because they need to address an issue, whether that be that it's taken too long for new sales reps to get up to speed, whether it be that after a certain amount of time because of the lack of opportunities, sales performance um, uh, takes a nosedive, or that people aren't equipped with what they need when when they're expected to adapt. Those are the conversations they want to have. If they think that training is the answer then they may begin uh, with uh, with a conversation with you about that. But what I'm what I'm yeah. hearing from you guys is that you're not taking that as read, that you are having a, a different conversation about their desired outcomes and not necessarily, as you'd said, Timu, uh, about, about creating more fun or engaging content to keep people in, in it for long enough and then hoping that something will come uh, as a result. But, you know, again, representing the listener here, I've got to ask you, uh, how did you start then? Because it's one, it's one thing to be listening to, uh, to, to these great conversations with, uh, with the people on the podcast, but, um, but that's where a lot of people will stop because either they've, they're, they're, they're seeking the permission, uh, whether they're seeking the mandate to change, um, or um, they are um, uh, trying to wrestle themselves with how to redefine learning in inverted commas. So how did you turn from great conversations after listening to these uh, um, uh, these podcast episodes into doing something differently and a pivot towards performance? Yeah, um, it, it, it was most definitely uh, iterative process uh, mm. and 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 uh, you know many things was was happening in in parallel here both both outside our team because that's one part of it but maybe most importantly uh, within our team um so so the first thing we did was to um basically define the the mindset shifts we need to make as a as a team mm. I, I i remember that that uh, um, I saw this infographic from a guy named um, Sam Allen on LinkedIn that the, you know it had this um, uh, where we need to uh, move from and where we need to go to uh, mm. and and that infographic became some kind of resource for us. Um, it, it gave us you know something to start putting these changes we need to make on on paper and, and discussing those. Like there was. Um, we need to move from this uh, thinking fluffy learning to actually mm. focus on on you know helping the company and and our people to perform either on in their current job or in their future job and that's step one mm. uh, it all starts with this performance mindset or performance orientation but to do that uh, we need to move from this event-based learning experiences as you as you talk about like stopping what you do to attend one of our courses or do one of our e-learnings and move to design um, into the everyday like 
when people work and where people work, because that should always be the ambition and that's where performance happen. Mm. And to do that, um, we, we kind of focus on these, you know, one size uh, fits all topics and try to create content just for those. Uh, mm. You know, if, if we want to, um, if we want to improve performance, then, then we need to understand uh, our learners uh, workflows and, and what, what tasks and what processes there is that, that actually impacts the performance we are trying to improve, you know, back, back on the, uh, back on the job. And, and when, when, when you do that, then, 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 then you will see that there, there is many processes and, and there is many tasks in those workflows. Mm. <laughs> there is too many. So, so we can't, we, we can't work on all of those at the same time. We, mm. we need to ensure that, you know, we are putting our time and our money and our efforts on the on the right challenges and on, on the on the right like opportunities and, and and then we have to rely on data instead of you know what someone uh, if it's a stakeholder or, or we you know think is needed so mm. so being data driven was also one of these these um, uh, move to activities and and then we knew that you know the, the world is changing, as we all know, and so is our learners' environments, and, and and the business operations are changing all the time. So we need to move from designing these, you know, big, perfect programs that that becomes irrelevant so, so fast yeah. to work agile. And what we said was like not agile, like in you know we don't really know what we're doing here, so so let's call it agile. But but you know. Agile for real, like we, we need mm. to sit down with our stakeholders and, and look at the backlog and, and, and prioritize from there. And we need to start with understanding what kind of problems we're trying to solve. And, and, mm. and we need to, you know, work cross-functional with, with subject matter experts and, and top performers and not do everything ourselves. And, you know, we, we need to try things out in MVPs and we need to create value or we, we need to fail fast and, and, Try to iterate from from what we learn all, all the time because it's, you know, it, it it's uh, it's all about solving business problems, right, and, and impacting business KPIs. So it, it doesn't end just because we launch something. Mm. Um, and if we want, you know, impact on on business KPIs, then we need to start measure ourselves in those KPIs. You know, yeah. com completion or or like time spent on learning content or or how the coffee tasted during the breaks, you know, it, it's of no real value for anyone, but still that's what, where, where we came from. We, we need to measure, you know, and, and maybe most importantly, isolate the impact of, of our efforts in KPIs that actually matters to the business and, and that the business understands. Um, mm. And the things we were measuring back then, it was basically, you know, how much money is the business spending on our stuff uh, and not the return of, 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 of that investment in, mm -hmm. in a way. Um, yeah, and ultimately we, we need to stop, you know, thinking of learning, learning as, as um, um, knowledge or, or training and, and instead focus on, you know, changing key behaviors or, or processes or tasks mm -hmm. which, uh, which are influencing the, the KPIs. Um, and that, that requires a lot more from us yeah. Because we want people to actually do things differently, yeah. not, not just know something or, or not just, you know, um, have fun. So, 
you know, de defining these mindset shifts was uh, mm -hmm. was the first thing we did, uh, and then we presented those to our team, um, which also was a <laughs> interesting experience. You know, it, it becomes pretty obvious that we didn't want to change, or we mm -hmm. we, we didn't we didn't really know why we needed to, um, because everyone loved what we were doing, as we talked about, and and we had a lot going on. So why would we suddenly go against that, uh, right? But, but to answer your question, that mm. was how we started. Brilliant. I mean, there's, there's, so, much, there's so much in there that, uh, that, that I'd like to, to draw out and unpack. But I think that, that, that it's important at this stage uh, because there are going to be people, people listening to this who think uh, that that seems too hard. Or they might be assuming now that, uh, that Telia is a smaller company. And so therefore, you've got a way with doing this because you don't have to do this at scale because I think that I hear a lot of the time that learning and development is done the way it is by collecting learning needs and then delivering standardized programs and content from aggregated needs. That is the only way to do this at scale. But but could you let us know what's the size of the the, the population that uh, that you're that you're seeking to influence here or responsible for in learning and development? And when you've made that mindset shift from performance orientation, which requires a more bottom-up approach than top-down, how do you navigate that with, with a large population? So, Frederick, do you want to talk about the, the organization? Yeah, I would say uh, we're supported. Um, um, before, we were supporting around five, 6,000 people, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, the whole, the whole Telia organization is about 20,000 people. So could you explain your focus and approach now? Yeah. Uh, so getting back to our big influencer from, from this podcast, we actually built our team and functions to get control over and support Bob and Conrad's five moments of need. Mm. And the merge operational and digital production team is working on new and more. And on top of that, we have one full-time colleague only working with our company SharePoint where people Google internally when they are trying to find information or solve a problem. Mm. Um, we also have one full-time colleague working tight with our business units and go-to-market units, creating engagement and awareness when, when things change, um, mainly new products, services, offerings, and, and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, the moment of apply is what unites us um, because with a up. Without apply, there's no performance. Mm -hmm. And to really ensure that our focus are on performance uh, and, and that it never gets sidetracked, we also hired a colleague working full-time as an impact and insight manager. And she is challenging us in the beginning of every initiative. And she knows where to find like all the business data, mm -hmm. uh, helping us to make quantitative and qualitative analysis uh, and measure the impact of our efforts and also building and like end reports on all of our initiatives. Uh, so she is basically the backbone to our team and giving us a reason to exist when like cost cuts come our way, uh, mm. which they will. So, um, and, and this way of building our team has served us well. We, we've grown every year since the start and we are, I guess we're now are 35 people in our team. Wow. And we're, we're basically gathering like all the small islands of trainers, coaches and such under one umbrella and not just creating, but also applying a common strategy and a common methodology with all of our sales and service organizations. So, so um, 
yeah, Bob and Conrad also talked about like the train transfer and sustain. Mm. Uh, so we knew we were great at training, but another thing that we did early on was to define what our existing offerings was supposed to improve in terms of business KPIs. And then we measured that and it turns out, David, that we were worthless in transfer. Right. So in some cases we saw that we were not only spending money on hotel nights and travels and contributing to less uh, or lost sales during our trainings. But after measuring the impact of some of our trainings, we saw that our learners actually performed worse three days with after three days with us than they did like before they attended. So mm. I think that was when our team understood we needed to really make a change. Mm. Um, and you know what we did? We, we actually tried to put out the fire with another platform. Right. So we found, <laughs> so we found out that, that like the hard ways that we like platform doesn't even, even so solve any other problems no. standalone, uh, but, but methodologies do. Mm-hmm. So we started to look at methodologies focusing on transfer. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question on approach today is a, is a say the combination of a couple of approaches mm. i've heard you say before there's like no silver bullets and i mm. really agree on that so we we found a mix that serves our purpose well and on a high level we basically follow the five bi model uh, yeah. and yeah and and different functions within our within our team and also outside our team is involved in different steps of that process mm. so when it comes to design and develop, for example, we basically look at it from a five moment of need lens to understand what we are designing for. And if we're designing an experience uh, with resources, then we use Brinkerhoff's high performance learning journeys uh, mm. method- methodology. So yeah, if it's only resources, we usually design it uh, and develop it with subject matter experts and practitioners. And of course, if well, in many cases, together with uh, IT as well, uh, to get the resources as close to the point of need as possible. Mm. But uh, yeah, I would say it's a mix, uh, and it's also an iterative process where we get better all the time. I would I would say. Wonderful. Again, so so much good stuff um, uh, within there. Uh, you, you, you're absolutely right. There's uh, there, you know, as, as much as the market would try to to sell us a silver bullet solution, and that 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 a platform will. Uh, will solve all our problems. I will tell anybody who wants to listen that if you buy tech as a silver bullet, you that creates a problem because tech's not cheap. And you will. Uh, and whilst it was been sold to you on the promise that it will solve your engagement problems and upskill your people and reskill them and all and uh, and everything else that uh, um, that that um, uh, that might be promised uh, off the back of it, uh, the problem it creates is that that. Unless you know what the problems are of the of the exact cohorts you're seeking to influence, then you will be trying to drive traffic to justify your investment in that tech until your contract runs out. And that is a problem because we're all busy otherwise. And I've been in too many roles where we thought that half the job was trying to drive people towards platforms where they knew there wasn't the value uh, because there wasn't anything in there that was going to actually help them with their jobs. Um, but but what you've described there is is as close to a silver bullet as as I can uh, uh, highlight, which is investing in yourselves uh, and uh, seeking the right methodologies, not methodology because there is no one silver bullet, uh, in order to understand fully uh, what the problems are. 
And going back to what you said as well earlier, Timu, the mindset shift from rather than providing engaging stuff, uh, it is the mindset shift of um, recognizing the actual value of learning and development by influencing the actual work that that is to be done because that is the only way that will make any demonstrable change. And what I loved about what you just said there, uh, Frederick, is that that you recognized after three days of attending that sales performance went down because you measured, you were measuring the KPIs of the people that were attending, not the the vanity metrics of learning and development, which are, did you show up? Did you stay to the end? Did you like the coffee? Which is, which, which is, which is an indicator at best as to, you know, to, to, uh, to help you to first of all, understand who was subjected to um, to, uh, to a, a learning experience rather than what you've done there, which is if you understand what the performance is before they attend and after they attend, then you go some way to, to really understanding the impact of what you're doing. And if you're running experiments, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking with with, uh, with Bob Mosher uh, currently about uh, an event that we're running uh, uh, very soon uh, about influencing the moment of uh, uh, of apply there. One of my favorite phrases in the whole of learning and development is be there at the moment of need to influence the moment of apply. If you don't know where that is or what the impact of that is, I'll go back again. Then it's just hope. And then all you're doing is you're going back to that bonkers equation that we've believed in for too many decades in learning and development. That is, if you attend this, magic happens and your performance improves, even though I don't know your job, I don't know the challenges you face, I don't know your stakeholders, but I know enough about this topic to know that if you just listen hard enough and you transfer the learning that in some way that we don't know how this will affect the way that you work, which is, um, you know, it, it's not learning and development, it's sorcery. Uh, and I'm afraid that, uh, that we're not, we're not magicians. Um, yeah. But- so you mean, do you mean David, that, that the, uh, the uh, a vendor who says that the, uh, the tech is like Netflix for learning, that that won't help us? <laughs> Yeah. Netflix for learning. Um, Netflix is lo- losing millions of uh, viewers, aren't they? At the moment. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I say that's as close to uh, to an LMS as, uh, as I've ever experienced. You're, you're hemorrhaging users. Um, and I know that they're doing that for, for different reasons and it's challenging times. So, uh, uh, so I know that's not the case. But you're right. You're absolutely right that, uh, that, that as soon as a bandwagon is jumped upon, I think that's because learning and development haven't been, uh, haven't invested in their ability to, to operate in data and evidence, which is simply the recognition and validation that there is an actual problem because there is something in, uh, in the organization's KPIs or, uh, uh, or, or business information that says that, well, wait a minute, there's something that needs to work on. And then evidence, which is the experience of the people that we're seeking to influence. Without that, it's hit and hope. And I, I'm afraid that we are, we're, we're a profession that's almost traded in hit and hope uh, as, as, as we've sought the next thing that, uh, that, that might save us and our employees because we think the problem is that they don't want to engage where the, real, the, the actual problem is we don't know what the problems are that we're trying to solve, which, which sounds like you guys are going a long way down that road of. And I understand your remit has, uh, has grown as a result of that with, uh, with, uh, with, with, with greater responsibility in the organization. So what was the journey of your team in achieving this? And, and I ask because, and I've mentioned this on the podcast uh, before, that L&D professionals can be the hardest to convince to change. So, so what was your approach here? Yeah, and this, uh, 
it's also been a process and I, I've come to respect that process uh, in a way because uh, on, on some level I, I just can't understand how something this obvious can, can be so hard for some people to, to grasp. But, mm. but on another level, uh, I understand that when, when you're not making the change happen, then, then the change is happening to you, right? Uh, so and that comes with concerns, sometimes even fears. So, so some people, uh, you know, has done what they do for a lot of years and they've never been, been questioned. Quite the opposite, actually. So in the beginning, there were like uh, uh, questions like, like, why are we doing this or, or, um, or what's in it for me? Or, or uh, are you trying to make us jobless here? Because if we don't do training, then, then what will we do? <laughs> like yeah. like uh, people didn't buy into it simultaneously like yeah let's do it uh, and, and some people still don't really want to go all the way but that's okay as long as we take one step forward or, or move the needle as you you usually say in mm -hmm. the right direction right so so for me and, and my colleagues in in the same role as me it has been basically holding people's hands you know taking these two steps forwards and always one step back uh, sometimes and involving them in in these um, stakeholder conversations when we steer the, the conversations to, to like performance outcomes and, you know, being very operational and involved in the discovery phase and helping, helping out in the design and, and, and development phase and also being really involved in, in deployment and, and, and using our weekly standups to always like iterate and, and, and reflect together in smaller groups, like helping each other out and, and challenging um, uh, each other. So, so my work has basically been to pave the way and somehow lead this change in our team. Um, mm. And I think, to be honest, I think that a, a, a never give up mentality has, has helped me a lot here. So, <laughs> so but at the same time, you know, one by one, if I saw my colleagues, you know, change, changing language and, and mm. talking performance and, and talking workflow analysis and, and performance barriers and, and performance support. And, and uh, I think that the point of no return uh, for, for, for our team members were like almost without exceptions when they got to see the impact that uh, uh, their new initiatives uh, gave or KPIs that they set, set out to improve with, with our new ways of working. So after that, I think that it just clicks for people. Mm. Um, so for me, it has been to just get people, our people through this process and basic change management and creating these best practices and basically marketing, the, the only thing we market is our end reports to our mm. team and, and also to our stakeholders. But two steps forward, one step back, that's, that's how it's been um, yeah. with our team. And have you seen that there, that there is a different skill set that you need to develop or, you know, because you mentioned about the mindset, the mindset shift is huge and, and people will take time and they'll have to have their own aha moments and it won't be for everyone. Um, but, yeah. but in terms of, um, the application of this and and um, uh, your focus on the end result of actually affecting performance and results, does it require different emphasis or a different type of skill set that, that you've had to either recruit into your team or, uh, or develop? Yeah, definitely. Because I think that um, a, a, a big mistake uh, I see that many of like people within our industry do is that you, 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 give one people 
the responsibility of driving the whole process from from uh, uh, like from defined to iterate and and that is definitely different skill sets you need because uh, when you define the scope with stakeholders then then it's more of like we talk like uh, um, like uh, performance consulting, that mm -hmm. kind of skill set. And when it comes to discover, that is a skill. You need to understand how to ask questions. You need to understand uh, from, from the like uh, target groups, and you need to understand where to find data, how to uh, look at the data, and how to tell a story with that data. So so um, you you really understand. Uh, what's going on and in design phase and I'll, like here is the operational team like they're excellent at it because you have to design for the performance and, and that that also you, you need also there you need a different skill set uh, mm -hmm. to to do that and in development that could be that you you, you need coding skill sets if you so so we have to like uh, work um, with IT in, in some cases and uh, sometimes uh, uh, development means that you have to uh, like uh, have a skill set on, on recording things, video or audio or, or building an e-learning. Why not? Sometimes that's also a good idea. So it's, it's definitely different skill sets. And I think one of the uh, success factors for, for our whole team and what Frederick has done so well is that we are not generalists who do everything. We are good at what we do separately and, and we collaborate. Um, yeah, and I'd imagine that uh, that stakeholder management has been uh, crucial to this because uh, people don't, uh, your stakeholders don't generally ask for performance support. Um, uh, they ask for training a lot of the time, and employees have a lot invested in this as well. Because uh, as you as we mentioned several times here, they actually enjoy it. So, have you had any resistance um, uh, from stakeholders, or what is it required in order to bring them on the journey with you? Yeah, I would say that in the beginning, it was for me. It was very hard because I was I was new at the company, and everyone within my like cross-functional team, they had been working together for years, and they had these established relationships and you know expectations on each other, and and you know they had these ways of working, how they used to do stuff, and and it was very very training focused so for me coming in trying to change that you know i would i would lie if i said it was easy <laughs> you know as, as an example just to give you some some context so before our team was set up as it is today so our, our operational team they were coaches within retail so they they knew everyone and they onboarded you know newcomers on site and they coached mm. sales reps on site and they 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 had store specific trainings on site. So for the retail organization, they were great resources because you know anyone could uh, like uh, um, request a training to show that there is some kind of activities going on whenever there were performance gaps going on. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and they probably had like this hockey stick effects uh, after their initiatives. But two months later they were back at the same store doing mm. the same thing. Um, and they also had this, you know, three-day annual leadership camp, which, uh, you know, of course, is highly appreciated. And, you know, if, if there was an event planned, these guys and girls were booked to inspire people or do some fun workshops. So 
Yeah, yeah. As I said, I, I think that um, like uh, in the beginning, I didn't have many friends because I, I come in and say that like I just heard this great podcast episode, and now we're not doing any of that anymore. So, so <laughs> yeah, that, that became a problem. But at the same time, I think that uh, like uh, uh, like with time, uh, I think that we 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 still started to understand each other because. Uh, um, and I think that it's basically after hearing Guy Wallace say that we should always say yes to everything, but mm. insist on doing analysis because yeah. the, 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 the same kind of requests kept coming in to me also. And I thought that, you know, in the beginning, I thought that our, um, the, the, our work is supposed to be like being pain in the ass for our stakeholders, like challenging everything. Like, you know, is this really a learning challenge? And, mm. and then just say no to everything. And that, that's not how you build um, you know, trust or yeah. or relationships. So I just started to do what what guy said. I said mm -hmm. yes to everything, but insisted on analysis and and it's critical because yeah. uh, in our this we now call it pivot to performance. In our pivot to performance, uh, it's critical, if not maybe the most important thing to get right mm -hmm. because it's what will build trust and yeah. relationships with our stakeholders in the long run, uh, and it's what will make us design the, the right things at the right time in the right place for the right people you know and, mm -hmm. and it's also what what uh, it, it, it it's what will make everything we do measurable yeah um so analyzing and, and you know, measuring our existing offerings and, and all of these you know requests coming in it, it basically led me to debunk everything we've done so far mm -hmm. um so as an example, but when it was time for this annual leadership camp again, so I interviewed a bunch of leaders that that attended the year before, um, and the majority of those they, they didn't know half of the topics we went through uh, back then, and of those who remembered, uh, the majority of those didn't remember a single like framework or or theory that that they went mm. through, and of those few people who remembered that, no one, you know absolutely no one zero people mm. had applied any of it at, at, the, at their job yeah. and, and that's pretty scary yeah. um, i think but but at the same time uh, showing that to my stakeholders that helped me to move the conversations into mm. what our leaders are supposed to do and what they are measured on and what they are not doing you know effectively or or efficiently enough and and uh, those kind of conversations suddenly gave us more of um, tasks and mm. processes to improve instead. Uh, and when we work on those kind of projects, um, you know, we, we, we really make an impact. Um, uh, we, we really help people to do their work better yeah. uh, and, and make life easier for learners. Um, yeah, so, so I think that looking back, the those those um, moments that let me closer to the business and, and uh, uh, closer to working with this important uh, stuff was the times when we went all in on the, the conversations and the analysis and, and the design and the measurement and the end reports. And um, that, that's how we become closer. And, and today we have full mandate from, from retail because we, we've done so many good things for them and, and it was them uh, the stakeholders from retail that nominated me for the for the for the reinventor of the year award uh, and we had 
been fighting for three years before that nomination. So yeah. it, it was big, big uh, for me. Brilliant. I, well, I, I think that, uh, that, that if nothing else, Timu, you can write a follow-up to Dale Carnegie's uh, How to Win Friends and, uh, and Influence People uh, with perhaps How to Lose Friends but Still Influence People. I handle the, 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 all the relations and, and Timo, yeah. uh, Timo, Timo uh, go, go as a, what do you say, a rhino. <laughs> but but look, they, there's so there's so much great stuff on here, and it, you know, it was with uh, with real um, uh, pride to know that uh, that the conversations that I've had had on on this podcast with some, what I think are um, not just some of the smartest people uh, in learning development, but those ones that were willing to to uh, to stand up for what actually works, and then go against the grain and say that that doing the hard work is the only way. Uh, that it works. And learning and development isn't a popularity contest. As a profession, we, we don't aim to make fun. I always use the example, has anybody ever learned a language, a, a different language, or played a, a musical instrument? And can you tell me it was fun to learn or that you gained great enjoyment from being able to do? And the answer is the, is the latter. When you actually mm -hmm. learn something, it is hard. And when you, when, you, when you help people to do something that they weren't able to do before, then it's likely to have been difficult for them. But it's even harder without us. That's what I would say, that, that what you guys are doing, are making, are, are, that you're not going for, for the immediate and the easy popularity. You're helping to make people's working life easier and to actually improve their prospects, which I think that, that, that they gain the reward of uh, later down the line and that you on a daily basis, uh, or, you know, if not daily, then, then certainly uh, more often than uh, the many can look back and you know that the work you're doing is making an actual difference because you hold yourself accountable to the KPIs that actually matter and not the vanity metrics to, to the, the, uh, validate a, an, an investment in a certain way of doing learning and development. But look, you are talking to, uh, to, to, the, you know, to people who have been where you were, um, you know, listening to the podcast and wanting to make this pivot. So uh, what, as a final question, what advice would you give to them if they, they, they want to end up doing what you're doing? What are the first few steps they should, uh, should uh, make? Uh, talking to leaders, I, I will go back to our mindset shifts. Uh, mm. That's where it all begins for us. So stop talking about learning and start talking about performance. Mm. Uh, and both with the, with the learning team and also with the stakeholders. Just like drop the fluffy HR thing and have a conversation about how business is going and what's coming our way. Uh, mm. That will be one thing. And, and if you want to impact performance, then you need to understand that like you have, need to understand that every day we talked about before, like uh, the workflow and, and the, that's what we trying to influence. Mm. And um, there you find like processes and you will find tasks that has a direct impact to, to, to the performance outcomes. And those are the ones you're set to impact. So, so um, yeah, that is what you will need to design for or, our job is to like help people through those processes and tasks in mm. their workflow by designing resources or experience as we have also had talked about earlier. And uh, 
there is like so many processes and tasks uh, mm-hmm. out there and we we need to be like data driven to really put our time and efforts onto things that does like the best opportunity to impact those performance outcomes mm-hmm. and we need to be fast we need to be on point we need to involve people and we need to try things out and iterate all the time and like that's when agile is great mm. and um, yeah we iterate to really like get impact on kpis that matters to the business right and then we need to measure impact on our success and on those like very same kpis and yeah and uh, yeah but when we do all those things we really change behaviors not only human behaviors but kpi behaviors and mm. That's yeah. That's when we help our learners, help mm. the business, and then when that's when we become important. I would say, uh, and ultimately understand that our job should be to help people to do things differently, or more effectively, or efficiently. Not just have fun or like remember stuff. So mm. that mindset shift alone is a game changer. I would say. Yeah, yeah, and, and I would add that. Uh... You know, all of this, it, this sounds very simple. And, and I, I would argue that it, it's, it's simple, um, mm. but, but it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that, that uh, you know, years and years of us doing the things like the way we used to do it, it, it has put us in this situation where, where, where the expectations on a learning organization is to deliver training. Mm. So no one like we've talked about no one will probably ask you to change because people like it as it is and and we like it as it is so these pivots need to start with us uh, you know we created this monster uh, and now we need to handle it so um, and, and and it does not start with you know rebranding uh, something and just keep on doing what we do and it, it does most definitely not start uh, with a new platform with a great example of that so so we need to change and the conversations we have need to change so um i would start with with um, with um methodology and, and go all in on that proving proving value uh, and and solving business problems because then the snowball effect it it, it will start that that's mm-hmm. like uh, that, that's a proven fact yeah um and also one thing we haven't talked about it but another thing i would say like a, a tip of the day is to if, if you have the chance uh, involve yourself in a one of these big transformation projects these really important pro- projects because i think that every lnd professional should do it because mm. it becomes so clear that you know training won't cut it uh, yeah you know working closely with change management has been you know one of the one of the like uh, greatest and most important experience for me in my lnd career to understand the the business and and understanding uh, like what we are supposed to do um and i think that it, that is very interesting because mm. the, the change management basically follows the same kind of processes and methodologies that that lnd should do uh, the difference is uh, when i look at it is that they are actually willing to put in the work to make it happen. So, so they work with these big transformation projects and, and you know, the projects which, which are important for the business that is moving the whole business uh, forward. And, and uh, they're basically doing the same things we want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And they sit in the rooms we want to sit in. Um, but, but, but they are also expected to make 
change happen. Not, not only knowledge, but also ability and also reinforcement and, 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 and seeing that through. We are not uh, expected to do basically anything. And, and change management is scaling everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. And L&D units are being chopped into pieces. And, and you know, we need to stop pretend. Um, like, like uh, stop being so strategic and, and fluffy all the time. And, it, you know, we need to be curious, like everyone says, we need to be that too, but we need to start getting our hands dirty, you know, starting in, starting to put in the work in, in these conversations and analysis and, and, and design and, you know, execution. Or I think that L&D will be gone in the near future if we don't, we will die. We will be replaced by some of these units that are popping up because we have been done the the wrong things for so long, mm. for, for so long time. Um, and that sounds dystopical, but uh, I think that pretty, we should have- Pretty, pretty dystopical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that should, that, that should give us uh, like a sense of urgency. Like we, mm. we need to make this pivot, pivot happen uh, yeah. to be relevant and to stay alive. Uh, we don't really have a choice here. Um, mm. so that, that would be my contribution to what we should, what we should do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I do completely agree. I, I think that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that it, you know, it, it could be easily criticized for being dystopian there, but uh, if there are people that are doing what, what we're expected to do and it works and learning and development are doing stuff and we still don't know whether what we're doing works, then we know what's going to, what's going to last longest. So, uh, so no, I don't think it's too dystopian. I think that's that you've both offered, uh, insights during this conversation, full of hope uh, and a and a path forward that uh, that I hope that that, that everyone uh, feels that they can follow. Um, look, congratulations to you both. I think that 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 uh, what you've described your journey over over the last few years has been truly remarkable. Not just um, from uh, from uh, anecdotal feedback that you've received, but clearly from from the impact that you're actually making. So, congratulations to you both, and thank you very much for being guests on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thanks, David. Thank you very much, David. As you will have heard, the pivot from a learning orientation to a performance orientation may seem like a semantic one, but the difference is huge in terms of impact and approach. It's not an exaggeration to say that Frederick and Timu would not have achieved what they have with a learning orientation. And so many learning leaders are achieving real results and increasing their stock as a result of the pivot we discussed. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective, of which I'm an active member. Join me and hundreds of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find both in the show notes. Goodbye for now.